Hello, Yeg Nation. This is Haroon, and we're back with our second podcast. And it's Austin. It's Jacob. And today we're going to be talking about some cool stuff. So this week has been a very important week. We had uh, the budget going on. A lot of exciting things happened with the budget, although the budget itself is not that exciting. Cool shit happened. Yeah, so they updated the 2016 to 2018 budget, and we're going to be talking about uh, the Nate LRT line. As you guys know, the Metro line has uh, a lot of problems. If uh, any of you have ever been stuck behind it on the Nate, uh, uh, trying trying to cross it, that's like five minutes. Um, Secondly, we're going to talk about the health city initiatives, winter festivals, and uh, mowing lawns because there have been extra money in the budget, so there's extra things going on in the city. And finally, the last thing we're going to talk about today is Northlands and its future, how that sits, whether it's going to be a continuous venue or what we're actually going to do with that place. So without any further ado, this is the Yeg Nation podcast. Episode number two. (laughs) All right. Hey, Arun, take it away. Can give us an intro to this uh, to this budget. So, um, so, so as you guys may or may not know, the city uses now multi-year budgets because who wants to deliberate on budget every single year and having to decide all that stuff is just way too much work. So this year, um, there was actually a bigger deficit than expected. Um, I believe about. 47 million was the original expected extra deficit. Right, right. And um, But they were able to find some efficiencies and cut some uh, money from... One thing was uh, the LPP, which is just a pension plan. But anyways, if they you were guys, able to... If you guys are interested in actually finding out that information, you can find it at budget.edmonton.ca, City of Edmonton's Open City, Open City Database, Open City Catalog. You'll find lots of information there. Anyways, they were able to cut down the budget uh, deficit by about 30 million. It's about 17 million now, which means there's extra money for more capital projects. Uh, so they were able to have um, a reduction from the increase in tax. So normally, uh, there is an increase of tax every single year because there is an increase in the population and there's an increase from just inflation in general. So for example, if there was a 2% increase in population, tax goes up 2%. If there was an inflation of 1%, that's another percent, so then a total of 3%. And that's kind of the baseline increase in tax that you're gonna get every year, uh, just by regular growth and economic growth that happens. And just to put that into perspective, the capital budget for 2016 is $1.52 billion, 17% of which is tax supported debt. So your taxes do pay for a large portion of this. And uh, with the operating budget, you're looking at about $3.2 billion of money that comes into the city. So it's it's a big deal. It's a lot of money. And, you know, it's managed by the city. And um, so originally, actually, for 2018, they had planned a 5% tax increase. But thanks to um, a couple of initiatives, some uh, one of them started by Don Iveson, actually, the 2% initiative, trying to find 2% of efficiency every single year to try and make the city of Edmonton more of a lean, mean, tax using machine um, to reduce those inefficiencies and create, you know, a much more streamlined place. And so now this year is going to be, and you know, then it was a 3.5% increase, but recently they just passed a 3.2 increase. So um, they've been saving money left and right and being able to reduce the increase in tax that they're going to do this year, which is awesome news for all of you taxpayers. Uh, It it equates to about $76 uh, per year of increased tax on your property tax, because remember, the city only does property tax. It doesn't come from income. Um, so th- yeah, so on the average household, that's 76 bucks a year. 
that you guys are going to see an increase on your which, on your bill, which equates to about seventy seven million dollars uh, in total, which yeah. is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So that uh, is the review, a uh, quick review of the budget. So let's talk about some items that were on the budget. Yeah, so number one that we have today is the Nate Line LRT. So funny story about this here, if you guys have been hearing, uh, quite, a few, quite a few news publications have been bringing this up. Uh, Mike Nickel has spoken up pretty, pretty loudly about this topic. Uh, in terms of Thale, uh, or Thale, sorry, the multi-billion dollar company that runs the software for the LRT, uh, and the software that we were given for specifically the Nateline LRT. So, uh, Haroon, if you want to elaborate a little bit on that. So, um, if you guys have ever been down that track, as I was saying earlier, there's always a lot of delays that happen, and there's issues because right now, Edmonton is kind of using the Plan B. So, originally, what was supposed to be uh, the Plan A for how the Metro line was going to be run was it was going to be five minute intervals and they were going to have trains going in and out of there real quick, especially during peak times, because that's how that's like the usage of the LRT. The issues that they're, they're struggling with right now and they have to do with safety and um, just being able to run. And one of the things is that this is the first time and Thales never told the city of Edmonton this is that they were kind of guinea pigging us. So they had never actually created software for street level LRT. The software they had created was mostly for above or below ground. And so they had never really done this before. And it was un unbeknownst to us, we had to, we're, we're facing the consequences for that now. As, as you can imagine, a street level LRT would have to have a little bit different requirements than one that runs underground or over top of our heads um, because you have to deal with traffic lights and uh, everybody knows that the traffic lights at around Nate and around uh, Kingsway are already not the easiest yeah. to navigate, let alone having a guinea pig software that most recently, if you guys will remember, put a, put a train on the wrong track. Yeah, most recently. So, and there's been other issues too. So yeah. how, how does this, how does like, as going forward with LRT production, as they're building the LRT line, how is that gonna actually, you know, affect Edmontonians? Well, I, I think I think one thing, and uh, I'm sure that you have a couple points here, Haroon. But one point that I was going to make too is it's going to make it's going to make us all be very, very aware of what's happening with the LRTs and make sure that it's done properly, uh, because you don't want any more of these kind of issues to come up in the in the future. Well, I mean, yeah, a lot of people have been complaining to the city that they're not doing it right, you know. And uh, I mean, one of the things we're talking about is that there was recently a crash in uh, Singapore using the Thales software. And a lot of people were injured. A couple people died, and it was a big deal. And that was maybe three weeks ago. Who, who's held accountable in situations like that? You know, I actually don't know who's held accountable. Can we even hold? I mean, I'm sure we could hold them accountable. Well, that's kind of something we'd obviously have to figure out if that was if it was because of the software or if it was because it was of because of the software. Well, then <laughs> that would obviously be Thales that would be responsible for that. This but. multi-billion dollar company. I mean, it, it's got to be kind of ridiculous to think that like you know they can't make <laughs> an LRT software that works for our city. I mean, it it. It's pretty annoying to me. I don't know about how, how pissed you guys are. It's pretty ridiculous. I mean, I've spent a lot of time waiting at those lights for that fucking LRT. So. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable to think that, that our city actually went ahead with this and we were a guinea pig and no one looked or analyzed the situation. Like, whose responsibility was that? 
That's a, a city administration, I guess, right? Because well, the city should have known. It should have, but at the same time, too, that that company should have disclosed the fact that they were using something that hadn't been used anywhere else. Yeah. So as much as as much as there is some some responsibility in our part, it's pretty pretty unfortunate that that was even something that got tried to put tried to put you know on the wayside. Yeah, and um, I uh, so I guess the latest news on that is that the city has passed a motion. And they're holding back $17 million from sales, which, I mean, for a multi-billion dollar company, it sounds like a drop in the bucket. That's like buying a McDouble in comparison to your daily budget. Yeah. And, um, but regardless, they say they have 20 to 40 employees working on it, like, full time to try and make the Edmonton software smooth again. But at the same time, um, they have passed a motion to create, uh, I believe there's a deadline for them to pretty much get their shit together. And April, if they don't, then we're going to move it to a different company. And that's April 2018. April 2018? That's, April what, I, that's, 2018. What, I, that's what I've been hearing by everybody. Was, was the, the final deadline was or the, the deadline that they put in place was April. So if Thales doesn't have plan A working for the Metroline LRT by April 2018, guys, we're gonna have it's going to be expensive, I'm pretty sure, to switch companies. But we're going to have to switch companies. And that's... That's kind of that's kind of where that's at, and that's that's what's going on with the Nate Line LRT guys. And that's why we've been talking about the proposed deadline for the LRT of 2019 or 2020 on the builds is uh, maybe might take a little bit longer uh, than that if we have to figure out new companies like that. Not only the build, but it was I don't know. I think that the other lines are actually uh, being controlled by other companies, aren't they? Well, like the Valley Line LRT is a P3 project, which just means that it's partnered with um, a different company, an external company, but they're helping build it, but the city still owns all of it. They'll help run it. There's a budget that they get that we pay them, but everything's still run by the city of Edmonton. It just makes for things to be a little bit smoother because then the city doesn't have to go hire external people. Everything is con controlled by that third company and other cities have done it very successfully actually. And uh, to be honest, personally, I feel very optimistic about that idea because things like TransLink in Vancouver, works really smoothly and works really well and so maybe hiring an external board is good but you know well we're gonna have to see how that works out but and the construction has started there are quarterly reports that are coming out and so you guys can see how the construction's going but you know i haven't read them they're technical where do we find where do we find these reports i actually don't know i i know it's on the city of edmonton website because i ran into them but um, I would have to look into exactly where, but it's definitely on the city of Edmonton website somewhere. If awesome. You, if you're curious we do again, have... if you guys are curious again and finding out how much how much of your hard-earned uh, capital budget is going towards the these kind of projects, you can find that on budget.edmonton.ca. Uh, or if you really want to look a little bit into the Thales Group, it's www.thalesgroup.com. Actually, interestingly, if you guys are just 0.6% uh, of your tax levy is for the Valley Line LRT. 0.6%. 0.6%. Yep. I know that for some reason. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyways, let's move. Let's move on. Alrighty. Uh, oh, guys, if you guys, if you guys actually want to, you know, make a comment and let us know what you guys think about uh, the Nate Line LRT, please let us know. We'll chat with you about it. If you guys want those links, you know, send us a message. We can go find it. Um, the city of Edmonton is really cool because they have the whole open data initiative. So everything is like most of everything is available on their website. And if it's not, you can send in a request to get it. Or ask us and we'll find out for you at yegnation.com. Yeah, we're not actually, we're, we're here to tell you guys to interact with us. We're looking to actually feed Edmonton public information. So Yeg Nation is reaching out to you guys to make sure you check out our website and check out our Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and like and share all our information. We're on Instagram too. The Yeg Nation. 
the Yank Nation. All right, moving on. So with the capital budget and the uh, the general budgets being reviewed uh, and the efficiencies being found, one of the beautiful things that has happened with that is it's, a, it's enabled funding for a few different projects in the city here. Uh, we're going to talk about three of them right now. There are many of them. I don't know if there's many of them, there's, but there are more of them, but we're going to talk about three ones that are very interesting to us and hopefully to you guys. So number one of that is the Healthy City Initiative. So, so that's an initiative started by Don Iveson. It's one of the things he's been spearheading. And um, Is that the YEG Initiatives? The YEG Initiatives project? Maybe. Oh. Yeg Innovates. Yeg Innovates. Oh, sorry. It's YEG Innovates. I'm like, yes. what? Yeg that, was, that was my... That was my uh, so it's a pretty cool project. I mean, there's for to give you guys an example. I mean, some like to give you three three quick kind of uh, points on what the Healthy City Initiative is is doing. Uh, they're looking at improving technology in in medical technology around in Edmonton to create uh, a hotspot uh, for healthcare in our fair city. Uh, things like that include high tech immersive reality systems uh, for better training of surgeons to eliminate surgical errors. Uh, new kind of forms of organ transplantation. Uh, there's lots of stuff like that. Even even going as far as develop developing oxygen delivery system using solar power for children in low income countries. So lots of really cool stuff happening with that project. Yeah, and uh, the city has decided to give ongoing funding of about a million dollars. It's a little bit less than a million. It was like $964,000 a year. Um, so Chump change. Chump change, but it's in order to uh, essentially help these small uh, companies, local businesses that are doing important research and and making Edmonton what we like to call a tech center, but you know an innovation hub, right? We want Edmonton to be the center and people to actually come to Edmonton to work on these projects. Well, and a big part of this too is that uh, this is this is one of the actual one of the biggest one of the biggest projects in Edmonton that's been specifically designed for Edmonton and, and it as a hub um, because we have a, a lot of really unique, we have a really unique melting pot of possibilities and, and partnerships that a lot of people are exploring. If you guys want to find out a little bit more about this, there's a ton of information specifically on this item, uh, edmontonhealthycity.ca. Perfect. It's, um, not, it's not healthy city, it's health city. edmontonhealthcity.ca. <laughs> I lied. Don't disregard me. Uh, and like, and just an interesting, uh, an interesting point to make is that actually other cities are contacting Edmonton about this initiative because they want to emulate that. Because what we're doing is new and it's exciting and it really is something that can really bring Edmonton to the forefront of tech and you know innovation. If there's anything that's going to turn us around from being Edmonton, it's Edmonton, Canada's health city. All right. I mean, those are big words. Those are some big words right there, Austin. Fighting words. Bring All right. it on. Bring it on, other cities. <laughs> Bring it on, Calgary. What you know about that? Yeah. <laughs> Y-E-G. Right. So another thing that came up in the uh, saving some money from the capital budget was funding on winter festivals. So a couple of those ones that got funded there, I actually have uh, a link up right now, but um, there's, a couple, there's a couple festivals that have been gaining lots of traction in and around the Edmonton area. Uh, one of them is the Volant Festival. Uh, mo to give you guys a perspective on how much that's grown, it went from 3,000 visitors five years ago to 40,000 visitors last year. So the city, by having this extra money, by having this extra money, is giving uh, back to these initiatives that make sense and these festivals that are bringing more people, bringing more culture, and celebrating who we are as Edmonton. Um, we'll share a link to a little bit more uh, of this here, uh, but you guys can take a take a look in there. 
uh, on the links on the links that we post. Um, some other things that are getting funded and getting more more uh, uh, review is uh, Meals on Wheels is getting more consideration as well, um, which is a fantastic project. If you guys don't know about it, I highly recommend looking into it. They're a bunch of great people. Um, Harun, anything else? Um, well, I mean, I think, you, I think I think you missed a couple of the winter festivals. I did. Um, I was just referring to one. Okay, yeah. Well, there's like you know the flying <laughs> canoe. There's ice on white. Which one's the last one? Uh, silver skate and deep freeze. Yeah. So if you guys are you know interested in going to some cool things this winter and coming out and just enjoying the Edmonton community, like go check those places out. They're helped by the city of Edmonton and they are sweet. There's a world like the ice on white stuff. That's world class ice carvers that how about, come in. How about in. the one from uh, uh, in Horlack Park there, the castle? The ice castle? Yeah, no, that's, that's a huge a, that's one. A, that's a company that comes in and does that. So, but isn't that a put on by the city? I don't think so. I don't know, but I'm sure they, uh, the city like you know allows it to happen for sure is that horlack park yeah well that's that's a pretty cool thing as well but yeah um with ice on white though they actually apparently they ship the ice from down south as something i heard just random and apparently it's just like that's how you get the highest quality ice they don't make it in edmonton they make it in the states which is super weird you know you think you think canada would be good at making ice eh we're we're pretty good at making ice there, eh? Ooh, oh yeah, yeah eh? we're going to get the maple syrup on there. Oh boy, Ooh. fresh off the tree. Fresh off the tree. <laughs> well, and um, so those those are the winter festivals that are coming. And then lastly, um, uh, Edmonton uh, is getting a new herbicide and um, mowing for the lawns. They're yeah. adding extra money for that. So, do so you want to talk about that? Yeah, so one of the one of the things that we kind of uh, talked a little bit about uh, during our Ignition project was was especially things like this with, you know, keeping an eye on, on making sure that uh, uh, proper herbicides are, are not or improper herbicides are not used. Um, there, there was a little bit of talk during the during just before the election about um, some known known damaging herb, uh, herbicides for humans. Uh, that were being used in some places, uh, some some non-FDA approved herbicides, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to confirm that, but we heard that at the Ward 9 forum. On few, that's on Health Canada for you. Yeah, that's Health Canada, so <laughs> we got to keep an eye on that. But um, with the new, with this particular $3 million uh, budget that's going towards this, uh, the herbicides that are being used, Harun, you mentioned them earlier. Uh, it's an iron chelate. Um, so uh, essentially it's iron with like this, this acetic, acid sort of compound and one of the things that's good about it is that it has very high uptake into you know dandelions and and you know plants like that but it doesn't really affect the grass but the other thing about it is it is definitely health canada approved and in the concentrations they use it at does not really affect humans especially once it's dry if you're worried at all about herbicides just wait for the grass to dry but honestly you could roll around in the wet grass and it's probably fine i'm not going to tell you to do that but it really is. In 2015, Edmonton did uh, implement a ban on the herbicide. So yes, they did. was this specific herbicide one of the banned herbicides? No, it is not. It's because it, those those herbicides are your classic herbicides, like your Roundup and things like and that. Deet. The one, yeah, and like DEET, because those actually do environmental damage and they affect oh, animals and they yeah they're they're pesticides too, right? So and they affect the health of a lot of things. So the only thing that. Um, is allowed within Edmonton and and you know there's a whole actually triage of things they do so before using any sort of herbicides or pesticides or any other like chemicals they have like 80 different things they do so there's like you know first of all like the reason they're increasing the mowing frequencies is because that keeps that prevents dandelions from growing 
right? It prevents that and, crazy and amount that happened last year. Because yeah. last year was really bad, and that's why they're looking at this again. They're like, we need to actually increase funding for this. It's because last year was awful. There was tons of dandelions, and uh, like soccer fields were unplayable. And like there were kids who broke their legs and stuff because they like they kicked and like you know there's the dandelion and they just like fell over and hurt themselves that's like that's the kind of thing that happens it's weird it's like and, and that's it's that's funny to, it's funny to think that that's a possibility but it's a lot less funny to the people that it actually affects yeah so it's something we something again that the city's trying to be proactive on and and as much as as much as herbicides do have a negative connotation to them these herbicides are are you know you'd literally have to drink this out of a two liter bottle to get yourself have any harmful effects yeah um, pretty much from from where health canada's standpoint is on that so just be aware of that guys and and uh and yeah so with that uh i think we're i think we're uh, ready here to move on to the the one last topic that we wanted to touch on today which is the northlands coliseum and its future so that if you guys don't know is what used to be called rexall place um i'm sure a lot of edmontonians have a lot of good memories Especially because, you know, we want like, what is it, five Stanley Cups there? Yeah, it used to be the Skyreach Center when I was a kid. I love that place. It was yeah. the Skyreach Center. It was the Coliseum always for me. Oh, really? I well, now it's the Coliseum. Um, once again, I guess. Um, that's 118th Ave, guys. Like, that's Edmonton. It's one of the best neighborhoods in the city. That's 118th Ave and Wayne Gretzky Drive. You know, you know I always noticed the Coliseum did revitalize that community. It did, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, the such, thing such is, though, place. the thing is, though, now that there's the new Rogers Arena... That area, the the Northlands Coliseum, can no longer be used for, and this is out of the contract, is sports and entertainment. Because sports and entertainment is what Rogers Arena does now. And so the, the one of the issues they're having is that under that clause, what does that encapsulate? There's a lot of things that go under sports and entertainment. And, you know, one of the things the city wanted to do with it and was thinking about was like, well, it's a hockey arena. We can repurpose this. The structure, the bones of the structure are still very sound. Um, I believe there is asbestos in it, though. But, you know, that, but like, that's like half of Edmonton. Anybody did it? Well, how much does it cost? I, to I think asbestos. it did. Asbestos has killed lots of people. Do you guys know how much it costs just to run a closed coliseum? $4,000 a day. $1.5 million a year. One point five. Whoa. Just to keep it closed, just to keep the door closed. And that's why we need to talk about it now. Because right now it's closed and there doesn't seem to be any viable other purpose that uh, the city can do with that. And so they need to come up with a plan right away. Well, not necessarily. Well, they've, they've actually passed a motion to give it some more time so that they can come up with other plans. They can talk to the Cates group and see whether or not they can do something with that building that may or may not be part of that contract and maybe make a deal with them about being like, hey, we want to run hockey here. We know the contract says sports, but what if we do, we make it into four ice arenas and, you know, we can run community sports there. So that's not going to happen at Rogers. To give, that's for sure. To give a little bit more backstory on this here, the North, the, as of, uh, as of a CBC article uh, in September, which will, I can also post a link for that. Um, Northlands is going to transfer transition to the city as of June 30th of 2018. Uh, Mr. John Iveson had mentioned uh, as, as a quote in that article that the Coliseum will come back to the city because Northlands simply cannot sustain it fiscally. Um, uh, and that that's what's really driving this. We are on an inevitable course 
to the Northlands Coliseum coming back to the city because of the Northlands financial situation. I would like to remind you, $1.5 million a day is just to keep the doors closed. But... Taxpayers are paying for that, by the way. But Councillor Mike Nickel has, did also mention, uh, this is before the election, this is a month before the election, uh, I just wanted to make it very clear that there was a lot of us on council uh, we do not, that said, we do not want to uh, bulldoze this building. So actually I was going to start mentioning that because, you know, like I said, there, there wasn't another purpose. And so uh, the initiate, the, the motion that was passed was to figure out how much it would cost to demolish the building. And I know that's going to hurt some of you people to hear that, you know, they even want to destroy this, this, you know, this piece of heritage for Edmonton for a lot of people, you know, um, but the analysis was done and it's a very expensive bill to foot it's about 15 million dollars just to demolish the building in a way that won't um you know leave the asbestos in the air but again another really interesting point too and just to kind of give you guys an idea of the of the climate of that area of the city uh the expo center is also going to be transitioning ownership from northlands to the eedc the edmonton economic development corporation as of january 1st 2018. so there is the possibility if that they may find some uses for it by being more in uh, in the actual space. Uh, it is also right where K-Days is, so it's possible that we may want to have more K-Days space and increase that festival. But again, that's something that we are going to have to be considering and going to have to be looking into. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so, some um, interesting stuff. So, yeah. So, I, guys, like, if you... I don't know. If you guys have ideas that you can pass on to City Council, you can email them and be like, hey... This is something we could do with that space. If you guys are investors, uh, you know, a private owner, private business that, uh, you know, wants this space, maybe you can find something for the city to do with it. Do you have they, a brilliant business idea to put inside the Northlands Coliseum? Repurpose it. it. We are looking for, uh, obviously, please let us know any ideas that you might have and, and things that you want to ask city council. We are loving to, to be able to, to give you guys those options and give you those, give you those parts of the conversation. Uh, we're happy to be that, uh, that conduit for so you. So we need you guys to leave comments on our social media. Visit our website at www.yegnation.com. Check us out on Twitter. Tweet us. At YegNation, Y-E-G, Nation. Yeg Nation. And follow us on Facebook. We, we'd love to hear more of your voice. Message us on there. We are all communicating on there. We would love to hear more from the fair citizens of Yeg Nation. Well, this is Haroon. It's been a pleasure, everyone. I'm going to be signing off. And Austin. And Jacob. All of you guys have a wonderful morning, evening, afternoon, whatever it is when you're listening to us. And we'll see you guys later. And tune in to Yeg Nation on SoundCloud. Check us out. We'll be posting this up all over the place. This concludes episode number two. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.